In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. This is quite a damning text. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, brood of vipers. It's quite accusatory. It's quite clear in its condemnation. It's quite honest about its judgment and where right and wrong sit. And so when we find others doing the wrong thing, we place ourselves in this position and we quite aggressively and with a sense of justification and confidence point the finger and say, woe to you. But we forget one thing. These words were spoken not by one of the prophets or the disciples, not even by one of the evangelists. They were spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. The only one who can, with such authority and clarity and a sense of righteousness, say woe to you and say that to us in an essence of truth, but also with all holiness. Because he alone is without sin. He alone resembled us in all things but sin alone. He alone walked this earth and gave us an example that we may follow in his footsteps. And so he is the one who is able to stand and reprimand us. But not in a spirit of blame, but in a spirit of instruction wanting us to be better. He says, you ought to have done one without leaving the other undone. Even if you have done these things, I am now giving you warning that you need to do differently. You need to do better. So what about us when we stand in his place? Well, I remember the words of our Lord when he was protecting the woman caught in the act and they were all chasing her, ready to stone her. And they asked him, what do you think? She was caught in the act. What does the law say? What should we do? And our Lord, again with authority, said quite clearly, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. If we want to stand in the place of judgment, we must ourselves be without sin. And bear in mind, the place of judgment is a heavy place to be. It's a horrible place to be. I can tell you, one of the things I hate most about what I do, and I love almost everything I do, What I hate most about what I do is sometimes having to discern whether someone is telling me the truth. Whether someone has actually done the right or wrong thing. I hate that. I hate it with a passion. Because it makes me sit on a judgment seat. 
And so, as much as we can, we must avoid sitting on a judgment seat. So how is this text then helpful? What's the point of it? The point is this. I can honestly tell you that some of the greatest life lessons I have learned have been, quite tragically, through the mistakes of others. By seeing what others are doing that they are totally oblivious to and then committing myself often successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, to never doing the same thing. And so when we see this text, we should not sit in a place of condemnation and so therefore judge the scribes, judge the Pharisees, and say, thank heavens we're not like them. That would be a missed opportunity. That's a missed opportunity. Imagine, someone is giving you a window into yourself, an opportunity to become better. And you waste that opportunity by condemning somebody else. This text is an opportunity for us to look into ourselves. Have we fallen into any of those things? With honesty, with true reflection, sitting with ourselves and judging ourselves. Because while judging others is a heavy place to be, judging ourselves is quite healthy. And so if we are able to sit and judge ourselves, we can then see whether we can learn any lessons from these things. But again, another warning. Judging ourselves is not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of betterment and improvement and edification. Because quite often, the world leads us to a place where we judge ourselves. But we judge ourselves in a negative, toxic, destructive way. I'm no good. I'm not worth it. I can't do this. How can I possibly do this or that? How can I face up to this or that? How can I be here or there? That's not why God does this. That's not why God does this. When when gold is put into a furnace to be purified, it is not to flag up the imperfections. It is to do away with them. And it is then to bring up the greater perfection of that gold. So when we look into ourselves, it is not to focus on what is wrong, but it is to do away with it. And so therefore focus on what is right and good and healthy and constructive and productive and edifying. What we want at the end of the process is not to be broken and debilitated. It is to be healed and empowered. That is what we want. No one benefits if you're broken and debilitated. No one. Neither you, nor the world at large, nor God. Nobody. 
but from healing, from empowerment, from purification, from righteousness, everybody benefits. I become better and become worthy of the kingdom. God's heart rejoices because I am more in tune with the image and likeness he created in me. And the world benefits because it sees an image of God in me through my actions. So today as we stand and we pray, let us lift up our hearts and give thanks for times of clarity, for times of vision, for times of discernment, for times when we are able to see our own faults, but then for times when we are able to see those faults and with the graciousness of God and with his love and with his mercy and with his justice be able to come before him in a spirit of obedience and humility and repentance and place all this before him and seek healing and forgiveness and life. And in doing that, we come closer to him, we come closer to each other in him, and we are closer to the image of him that he created in us. And glory be to God for